Hello and welcome to the Bold Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Rawlings. Guys, I am sure you noticed that we took a little bit of a hiatus. This happened so that I could finish my master's degree with a strong focus, and we are so thankful for your love, support, and perseverance that was shown for the Bold Movement through that period of time. We are coming back now bolder than ever. We have some guests coming on the podcast, and when I say guests, I mean like legit ones. We are so excited, and we'll be announcing those over the next couple of months. You can be the first to know who they are by signing up for our weekly newsletter. Simply hop on over to thebullmovement.com and fill out the subscribe form. Now, without further delay, let's dive in to Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Let's start by reading verses 13 through 17. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth, and said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. At first glance, when we take into consideration what was happening leading up to this point, it seems a little strange that Jesus was out by the sea. And I'm talking back here in verse 13. It says he went out again beside the sea. If you remember, Jesus was just inside Capernaum in verse 12, which was right before this. Then he withdraws out by the sea. And right after that, in verse 14, he returns back into the city. This abruptness is puzzling until we take a step back and think about who Jesus Jesus is. In Mark, there is a reoccurring pattern of Jesus withdrawing from populous areas to be alone. This idea makes that action seem more meaningful when we see it for what it truly is. Jesus had just healed a paralytic and then he went to go be alone. Although Mark is not specific with what he was doing, it is safe to assume that Jesus went to be alone so that he could be with God and have some quiet prayer time. After that, we see Jesus entering back into the city and then calling Levi, whom we know today as Matthew. Levi was a Jewish tax collector in the service to Herod Antipas. Now, these officials were hated by all people, even um, classified as the vilest of men they were. The tax officials, like Levi, were eager to make a profit off of the collection of the taxes that were being taken in. I really want you guys to understand the extent of hatred here because I think it's so vital to truly grasp it in order to understand what Jesus is doing by calling him to be a disciple. According to J.R. Edwards, Jews were forbidden to receive money and even alms from tax collectors since revenue from taxes was deemed robbery. So if a Jew entered the custom service, if he became a tax collector, he also became an outcast and was no longer qualified to be a judge, a witness in court, he was unwelcomed in the synagogues, and considered a disgrace from the community and could not see his extended family. It was disgraceful to that family. 
Then in walks Jesus and his disciples, and he looks at Matthew and says, follow me. Remember, it was every Jewish boy's dream to be a disciple to a rabbi. Here comes Jesus giving this opportunity to someone who had become an outcast from his entire heritage and people because he chose to be a tax collector. And Jesus looks at him and says, come, follow me. He gets up, throwing all caution to the wind, and with radical obedience, simply follows Jesus. Matthew then throws a banquet in honor of what just happened. I want to make a side note here. Mark does not tell us that it was Levi hosting this, but the other Gospels, when we look at those and parallel the stories, Luke does confirm that this event, this banquet, was hosted by Levi. I apologize. So then Levi invited his fellow tax collectors and others who Mark described as sinners. Jesus eats with them. Here's the thing. In the first century, with this culture, to eat with someone means that you accept them. Jesus eats with them, and that means he accepts these men. And the Pharisees lose their minds. Pharisees were completely devoted to the Old Testament law and lived their lives deeply devoted to the interpretations from scribes that were passed down. Unfortunately, when they lived by the interpretations opposed to living by the scripture, they started to miss the point. Let me explain. They felt as a teacher of the law, Jesus should have known better than to eat with these men at Levi's home. They were completely offended as Jesus disregard at Jesus disregard for the customs they so strictly lived by. The Pharisees missed the entire point. The Pharisees are Jews, and Jews often um, are synonymous with Israel. And I want to remind you guys that Israel's mission was always to bring the outcast to God, not exclude them. So Jesus is basically clapping back at them by reciting a traditional proverb, the healthy don't need a doctor, but rather the sick. This was his way of saying, I understand the distinction between a righteous man and an unrighteous man. I acknowledge this distinction. However, as God incarnate, I am going to continue the mission of inclusion that was given to Israel. Let's read verses 18 through 22 and keep going. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Mark turns his attention from the Jesus from Jesus relationship with sinners to two different aspects of faith fasting and resting on the Sabbath, which we'll get to a little bit later. It is quite obvious to see that Jesus is beginning to gain opposition based on the different remarks that are getting ready to be said after these verses. And it appears that this idea of fasting was very important to this community. The Old Testament only requires fasting on one day, which is the Day of Atonement. This day was designated for the cleansing of sin. Fasting in this context, was an act of repentance. It appears that fasting had become traditional for other occasions as well, and those observances were still present in the first century. 
even though they were created as occasions in the Old Testament. They had been passed down throughout the century in centuries into um, the first century where the Pharisees were hanging out at this time with Jesus. You know, hanging out in the first century. <laughs> that didn't make sense. I'm sorry. It was customary for um, the Pharisees to fast on Mondays and Thursdays. And this is most likely why the Pharisees were doing it in this passage. Now, it was also customary to fast when in mourning, which is often assumed as to why John's disciples were fasting. They were probably doing it to the, due to the death of their master, but this cannot be confirmed by the text. There are other ideas, which we're actually going to hit on here in just a second. But the idea that they're fasting based on the death of John is just a guess at best. The quest question that was raised as to why Jesus' disciples were not fasting was those people being hypercritical of who the disciples were in nature. In all fairness, some of Jesus' disciples were John's, and we're talking about John the Baptist, they were John the Baptist's previous disciples, and it was expected of them to continue their disciplines that were encouraged by their master John, okay, by their rabbi John. Jesus responded in typical fashion through the use of a question. He says, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Weddings were a time of celebration and feast. To fast while the bridegroom was present would be totally absurd. I want to read something to you that William Lane wrote in one of his commentaries, because quite frankly, I find it absolutely fascinating. He said this, Although the image of the wedding feast was sometimes used by the rabbis to express the joy of the messianic era, which basically means um, the coming of, of the Messiah, neither in the Old Testament nor in later Jewish literature was the Messiah represented as the bridegroom. Okay. It's very important to stress this fact because it indicated that Jesus' statement about the bridegroom coming would not have been recognized by his disciples or his adversaries as an, as an explicit messianic assertion. Jesus has not yet revealed he is the Messiah, and he likes to keep this veiled in his response, which is why it wasn't so obvious. Now, because of this, oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. This brings us to our final two verses for the night. Verse 21 and 22. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskin. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Now, here in this context, we know exactly what Jesus is trying to say. Not trying, what he is actually saying. He's telling his disciples that if they were to participate in the practices of the Pharisees, or if they were to continue to emulate what they did as followers of John the Baptist, then it would be equal to covering old skin with a new garment or pouring new wine in an old wineskin. The practice of the disciples of John the Baptist were to prepare for the kingdom. That is why they fasted. This is that's that's the reason they were fasting. Jesus proclaimed, however, that the time was fulfilled. The kingdom was here. In the Greek, there are two ways to say new, okay? There is new as in you have an old shirt and now you have a new one. 
it's newer than what you had, but it's still familiar. Then there is a new, as in new, and you have never seen anything like it. The new wineskin, as J.R. Edwards puts it, disrupts the old and bursts its mold. Jesus has come. He is here. Keeping up with the old is not acknowledging that salvation was present. Guys, that's all I got for you. I hope you enjoyed this little bit of information. Please feel free to leave us a five-star review, share us with a friend, or check us out on our website, www.theboldmovement.com. Until next time, go out and be bold in your faith.